So what separates you from the other guy? The design, the, the way that you present your yourself, your product, is the first touch point someone's going to have, and that's what's got to stop them. That's what's got to say they're different from the other guy. Welcome to Leading into the Unknown, a podcast by SY Partners featuring stories from leaders we admire about creating the path forward in complex times. This is Chad Bennett from SY Partners. Today I'm talking to Cliff Ski, Executive Creative Director at 140, Verizon's in-house agency. Over his career, Cliff has won many creative awards, including multiple Emmys for his work with the NHL. I'm really excited to have Cliff here to talk about the importance of creativity in business for everyone, not just in quote-unquote creative industries. So, Cliff, thanks for being here. My pleasure. I thought it'd be interesting to start with the story of how you got into advertising. Uh, it's, this is interesting because my road to advertising was unconventional, to say the least. I played ball. I thought I was going to go to the NFL. But I've always been creative. Like, growing up, I would illustrate a lot. I would paint. Uh, I'd always write stories, not knowing that advertising was a career. And I luckily just happened to take a um, class in college my senior year. Thankfully, the professor had a real interest in me and my ability. And it was actually a competition course. It was sponsored by the American Advertising Federation. And what they did is they gave you a project from a major sponsor. What you had to do is you had to operate like an agency. And I happened to do all of the creative for it. And then what you do is you'd have to present to industry folk. And we won the Northeast Regionals and we came in third nationally. And one of the judges, just like my creative, hooked me up for an interview, went in, and I didn't have the portfolio. I didn't have a piece of anything. Once I got in the door, I just hustled and learned the craft and sat with everybody I could sit with. Just was nosy, knocking on doors, asking how I can help. Just kept grinding and doing it that way until people started to trust that I could do it. And then that was that. That's awesome. SYP really believes that creativity is crucial for businesses, regardless of the industry or role. How can design be a helpful tool for people in traditional business functions like finance or account management? It's all about getting people's attention. There's so much stimulus for people now. They'll just breeze right by something that's not eye-catching. Design is key. So what separates you from the other guy? The design, the, the way that you present your yourself, your product, is the first touch point someone's going to have, and that's what's got to stop them. That's what's got to say they're different from the other guy. Of course, it is sometimes difficult to stoke creative ideas and try new things when you're facing deadlines and deliverables. How do you manage that with your teams? I always say creativity is not, you can't put a time frame on it. It comes when it comes. Deadlines are deadlines. But I don't think that should ever inhibit or prohibit you from coming up with greatness. The way that I like to work is we all work towards that one idea, right? So if we have a deadline that's coming up quick, everybody jam on it. Let's come back in a few hours, put the ideas on the wall, and the, the, the one that feels the most close to the brief, then everybody attack that idea. Go wide as opposed to deep at first and get that initial idea. And from there, we'll all jump on it because then that spurs that creativity. And the creativity can come from anyone at any level. Yeah. So really the buy-in can come from a junior designer mm -hmm. and you get your ACDs and your junior level talent on board as well. Yeah. I mean, when I started at my last agency, it was very divided in silos. There was the digital team and then the social creatives and then the above the line creatives. And I came in and I said, I don't, I don't know what that means. If you're a creative, you're a creative. So we're going to change the brief structure where when we brief, we all brief together. And I would get ideas from somebody who was on a social team who was used to getting 
the idea at the tail end and they just had to sort of translate it to social. But now they're, they're, they have a seat at the table in the beginning. And there were, there were plenty of times where I got ideas from them that turned out to be the campaign because they were hungry and they wanted that, that opportunity as well. So when you get everybody in jamming on it together and you respect the work and you respect the process and respect those who are doing it, I feel like that's how you, you meet those deadlines, and those timelines and get the work that uh, is necessary. That's great. Your leadership style is very inclusive. That's awesome. At SY Partners, we're seeing design leaders shift away from the traditional hierarchical leadership of the industry. For example, by creating supportive and empathetic team cultures and diffusing power. How do you approach your role as an ECD that may be different than leaders of the past? I've had creative directors who would literally, they would rip up a, a script in front of you to sort of like try to inspire you. And like, dude, that, that just hurt my feelings. That didn't work. I don't know. Why'd you do that? You know, um, but that was their way of leading. That personally was never my style, never will be. I'd like to lead by not only example, but by my nature and my personality. Like I like to have fun with it. I like I work hard, but I want to make sure everybody who's working hard has a good time while doing it. I'll, I'll do dumb things like play pranks on people, but also I like to reward. And I feel like that unity, that that oneness is important as a team and as a leader. What's important is to let people know that not only am I a leader, but I'm also one of you. I'm human. The way you find that leadership is take all of the good things from somebody that you've worked for and that you that you like. I've had mentors early on that showed me their style and some pieces I took, some I left. And then I worked for somebody else and I was like, oh, I like the way that this person presents. Like, you know, I would take certain things from different people and then you put it in that gumbo pot. And you come out with your own style. And then my special sauce in it was just my personality. And so I crafted it over the years. And early on, I didn't know what I was doing. But once you get that footing, to me, that really then defines how you are as a leader. The advertising industry has long been a white, male-dominated industry. We're just now starting to see that change. How have your experiences rising in the agency world as a black man influenced you in terms of how you showed up? First of all, I'll say that it's still... At the top, a white male dominated industry. Um, in all the agencies I've worked in, I've historically been the only African American executive, which is is a blessing and a curse. But I would also say that I never let my color define how I was treated, how the work was viewed. Uh, I never let it hold me back, nor that I ever let it use it to promote me further. I'll be honest, I never really saw it because I just had blinders on. It was all about the work. And I made sure I was very careful, like I would never do a commercial with somebody rapping or something like that. My skin would crawl when I'd see things where it was like McDonald's and somebody goes in and wraps their order. And and I was like, dude, I've, I've never asked for a Big Mac that way. I felt like I brush my teeth the same way as you do, dude. I don't need you to talk to me in a different way or say something that is uh, comes at it from a different angle. But I don't think that you have to specifically try to bullseye because it comes off as false. I think the work is the work, and it should be colorblind by the time you see it and not be able to say, oh, a, a white man or a woman made that or a black person did that, unless you're doing, you know, specific to that culture. I've always kept it true to who I am, and I show up every day the same way. And I like that people are surprised when they see who did the work, when they see, oh, this black guy did this award-winning commercial for the National Hockey League because that does not make sense. Early on, a mentor who told me to make sure— when you take a job or a position that you're ready for it, because if you don't 
handle it, if you don't do your best, and not only are you going to mess it up for you, you're going to mess it up for everyone who comes behind you. So I knew I had that responsibility, but I didn't carry it like I didn't carry it like a burden. Right. I, I let it elevate me. I didn't let it hold me back. I was just like, you know what? This is what I need to do. And I would speak to students. I would go places, and I think I would surprise people because they weren't used to seeing someone at that level of this color. Right. Look like you. Yeah. Tell me how important it is to have a different voice in the room um, when it comes to pitching a campaign. I think having that different voice and perspective in the room gives the brand relevancy. Having those voices in the room are critical today to not be tone deaf because not only does it fall short, but then you get ridiculed by it. You get destroyed by it. Like, and that diversity in the room is critically important nowadays more than ever. How do you rally your team around an idea even when creative opinions don't align? When you rally around an idea, not everybody's always on board with it. But I think you have to prove the work and why it works and why it's the right idea. You have to show why it works socially and why it works digitally and why it aligns to the brief. And it is what the client needs and delivers upon. I mean, I, I'll i tell you one one instance where I used to run. I guess this is where my color did come into play. But I used to run a United Negro College Fund, <laughs> which um, was at the time the longest standing tagline in advertising history. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. 75 years running. It was the longest tagline in advertising history at the, at the time. We wanted to change the tagline. And people thought we were crazy. But what we had found out was right around, it was right after the, um, the last recession. Very simply, the language we used to always ask was asking people to donate. And at that point, people didn't have money to donate. People didn't want to donate money. They just lost their 401ks. Like they were trying to pay their mortgage. So we said, well, we need to change the vernacular and change it from donate to invest. And what we did is we showed how investing in the minds of young kids and their education will actually help the economy. What you're putting in is what you're going to get out. And not only did I have to prove that to my internal bosses and creatives, but then I had to prove that to the United Negro College Fund. Then I had to sit in front of the Board of Governors, which were the presidents of all the historically black colleges and universities which was intimidated as all get out, but I believed in it and I was able to defend it. And when you believe in something, other people start to believe in it as well. That belief is how you rally people behind an idea. That's great. At SYP, we believe that the critical leadership skills that matter most in these uncertain times are optimism, authentic communication, humanity, and creativity. Which of these come most naturally to you? To me, that's, that's one of the biggest things. Not only authentic communication, but just being authentic and being real about things. Like, you know, people see through you when you fake or when you're not truthful. Back to the earlier question about meeting deadlines. When people work hard, they want to know what their work was for. Even if it ultimately wasn't a thing that was presented, people have to have that communication. I remember when I was younger in the industry, I would hate when you'd work all night. You'd work on something that had to get done, had to get done. You'd get it, to get it out the door, and then they went to the meeting and they wouldn't tell you what happened. And I was like, what? was it good? Was it bad? Do I need to work again tonight? Like some feedback, anything. So when I got into a position of leadership and management, if I was on the road for a meeting, I would send a group email or I would call somebody who was a point person, give them the news, good or bad, and have them disseminated to the group. Because I think you need that feedback. You need that reinforcement. I think people need to know what happened. If your work didn't make a meeting, why it didn't make a meeting? The first thing to keeping your people uh, rallied behind you, keeping people rallied around the work, is to be 
authentic and real with people and let them know what's happening, even if it's not about the work, just on a day-to-day basis. I'll take 40 minutes when I get in the office just to say hi to people and talk before I sit down and open up my laptop because that connection and authenticity is what, for me, makes sure that my team knows that I'm with them and they're with me. Now, before we close out, I've got some rapid-fire questions. Bonus round, (laughs) bonus round. (laughs) Some sound effects. (laughs) Talk to me about a project that you were most proud of and why. One would actually be that United Eagle College Fund that I referenced earlier because that was something that was important to me as an African-American male, youngest in my family, first one to go to and graduate from college, investments instead of donations like skyrocketed. And I know we helped thousands of deserving kids get to college. And that to me was very important because it meant something. It did something. I've worked on a lot of sports accounts and some of the process I did was when I worked on the U.S. Olympic Committee. Oddly enough, the U.S. is the only country that is not privately funded by the government, the Olympics. All the athletes, the money, the housing and everything they get comes from donations from the public. Wow. So that was pretty special for me as well. It sounds like the work that you enjoy most was purpose-led. What is a change you see happening in the design industry? The thing I'm seeing and, and I'm encouraged by is um, the design being led by idea and simplicity, which I think I love that. Is, 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 uh, is great. What do you do to get inspired creatively? And I think everything around you can inspire creativity. I I listen to a lot of music, personally, to inspire me. Depending on my mood, I'll listen to a lot of classical music. If I need to write, like, a big sort of uh, anthemic spot, one of my favorite things to listen to, oddly enough, is the soundtrack to the movie Interstellar. What I used to do is uh, when when creatives would present a script, I would then have them read the script with the music playing underneath. (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm like, now listen to how good this is. So, I mean, look, I think creativity comes from everywhere, man. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Cliff. My pleasure. 